Welcome in to another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'll be your host today, Derek Terry, joined by Sean Smith from somewhere on I-64. Sean, where are you? Yeah, I'm actually just coming through Indianapolis. It's been a busy week and a half, Derek, and then once it got to the point where we could record, we had to switch hosts. So we had to wait for yeah. that to kind of uh, transition through. So we've, we've had a little bit going on, but we're back to normal now. Yeah, that's uh, above our head there. That's Blue Wire moving over to a different publishing platform, which uh, Sean and I will have to learn, I, I believe. Sean had just gotten good at the other one and then uh, switched it up on us. But I'm sure it'll be a better move in the long run. But, yeah, we're happy to be back. Of course, today's show, as always, is presented by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations now, one in London, one in Williamsburg, and one in Pineville. Get out and see those guys. Uh, one of the best places you can eat in the southeastern Kentucky area. Go for a drink, whatever it is you want to do. Go down and see those guys. But, Sean, it's, it's been a while, so it's kind of hard to know where we should start because there was a lot of basketball news at one point. There Today and yesterday I was doing some football things. Uh, and then there's also I've been wanting to get around to talking about the baseball program a little bit i don't know how long that will go today but if we're going to jump into anything sean let's just jump real quick on something with the basketball team that we had talked about a little bit and i don't think we haven't have gotten to discuss but last week and you might have been there i'm not sure if you were or not i've not been to any of the satellite camps that uk has done but keon brooks of course cal announced on his uh conference call a couple weeks ago that he that, that Keon would be back. And then Keon basically said last week to reporters, like, I just didn't feel like I needed to announce that I was coming back to school. How refreshing is that, do you think? <laughs> it, it's pretty refreshing. And, you know, we mentioned that. Like, he could have literally did exactly what he decided to do, not say a word and then just be on the list. So the only confirmation we got, right, was he was on the list for an interview at one of the satellite camps. Yep. And that was when we knew that, hey, he's coming back. Uh, around that same time, Isaiah Jackson made it official that he would be leaving Kentucky. Uh, it is refreshing to hear a guy who's been in the program for two years that there was some buzz and some rumors out there swirling around that would possibly transfer. Uh, but he decided to stay put. And uh, getting out to that camp last week, Derek, I got to the very first one at Bardstown, and it was so refreshing just to stand there and interview someone. Jacob Toppin was the only one that I've been to. I'll be there Friday and Saturday this week. But you know how much, like, we used to talk about trying to find and squeeze in and get a spot for these interviews just to stick your recorder in there to get maybe a, a good angle for video? I'm, yeah. I didn't realize how much I missed that until I had to do it again. Man, I was at the Mark Stoops uh, event today for John Schlarman, which I'll get to in a minute. But, yeah, hold my recorder out. Like, my arm is not in shape for that yet. i got to work it back into shape. <laughs> For sure. I'm sure you felt the same way. But, yeah, like you said, it's going back a few weeks now with Isaiah Jackson. But, yeah, he's officially staying in, as we all expected. Um, anything that happened at that camp, Sean? I know we're going on a week now since you were there. But is there anything that just stood out to you that maybe you wanted to tell Kentucky Daily listeners that you didn't get the chance to yet? Yeah, personalities. You finally get to see personalities with these kids, something that we didn't get to see last year. It was on the floor for warm-ups, off the floor for warm-ups, and then behind a Zoom screen. That's all you got to see. Yeah. So you got to hear Jacob Toppin cutting up and laughing with kids. There there was one kid in that camp that he went to Lance Ware's group, and Lance liked the kids so much that I think Lance just completely just blew off any type of, like, 
plan and just started bouncing around to every group that this kid went to. And you got to see like him become buddy, buddy with this kid for a couple of hours. <laughs> and then I think that's really good for all these guys. And I think another thing that stands out to me as well, Derek, is I didn't realize how big Jacob Toppin was until I stood beside of him. Cause we hadn't, we haven't got to be like eye level with these guys at any point until now. And, I never realized how tall he actually was until I got down side by side. And as tall as he is, if Sabir Wheeler is five foot nine, then I should be listed at six one. <laughs> like, I, like I'm, I'm taller than him. But it, it was just good to see faces and just get down there and kind of see these guys in action, having a good time, working with kids. Cal was in a good mood. The staff was in a good mood. It, it just felt normal. Something that has been missing for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as I was saying earlier, we'll transition over to a couple of football topics. Uh, I guess technically yesterday was the first time, well, Sunday, whenever you're listening to this, you might listen to it on Tuesday, but uh, on Sunday evening, Kentucky had its first uh, camp of the summer for high school prospects, JUCO prospects, whoever wants to come. Um, they had a, a camp for that, and I went over there. Uh, some other media, I mean, I wouldn't say several media, but uh, I'd say a handful or so a couple of different outlets there covering that um nothing really stood out in terms of high school prospects that i think people should immediately look at but excuse me something you were talking about though sean getting to see some players bunch of players hanging out there and one of the guys that stood out to me is someone who i think kentucky is really going to be counting on and that's trevin wallace trevin was there he i, I believe it was his one of his first days on campus he had just gotten there i, I talked to somebody else who said that uh, for any of the incoming freshmen who aren't here yet, I, I think they show up tomorrow. So June 8th um, is, is the date that the rest of Kentucky's incoming class should be there. One other thing I wanted to note, uh, talking to a source over at, at the football stadium and just bouncing around here in the buzz, it does sound like Jarquez Jones, the Ole Miss transfer, the linebacker, is is it's looking good for Kentucky with him. I'll say that. I believe KSR might have reported that he's visiting tomorrow. I can confirm that. I heard that as well. Um, John Sumrall coached him for one season at Ole Miss, and he's he's at a position I need, Sean. They need some bodies there at inside linebacker. But uh, I guess your thoughts on what a pickup like that might mean, considering it's a kid who's played a lot of football in the SEC. He's played three years, and he's either been first or second on Ole Miss's team in tackles the past two seasons. That, that's what I was about to say. Uh, leading tackler from a program in the SEC. There, there's no bad football players in the SEC. There, if if you're good enough to lead an SEC team in tackles, then you're good enough to probably jump right in and, and be kind of a leader on that side of the ball. And I mean, we expect that side of the ball to be very talented, especially we've talked about the secondary and all these other pieces they have coming back. But you can add a guy who has been in a college weightlifting program, been in a college football program in the SEC. He's going to be familiar with the places that he goes and plays with or plays in. I think that would be massive when you're talking about adding depth at a position that they really needed. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I do think Trevin Wallace is going to play quite a bit. Um, very advanced is, is what I'm hearing for, for what they're expecting from an incoming freshman. So I think they've groomed him as well as they could via Zoom. Trying to get him up to speed. Uh, obviously, that's going to be a really important position, but having more of an insurance policy, I guess, is how I would describe. I mean, he's more than that. Jones, like you said, he's led the. He, he's he's a good player. Uh, I don't think he's a you know an overwhelmingly elite talent or has that kind of potential that Wallace might have, but it also might take some pressure off Wallace having to come in immediately. 
if Wallace gets on the field and ends up playing a lot, you hope that it's because he was just better than the other guys and beat him out and not that he just absolutely had to. So at this point, you know, he'll have Jared Casey there as well. Potentially Jones, DeAndre Square, of course, will be locking down one position. Luke Fulton should be in there. So they should have some options now. That's something that, you know, coming into this offseason, that, that was one of the positions that they really had to look at, especially once Jamin Davis uh, went pro. But I wanted to give a shout-out to UK football today, uh, or Monday, like I said, whenever you're listening to this. The inaugural John Schlarman, uh, Schlarman Strong golf event, it was put on by UK football. A lot of alumni was there. I don't know if you know this or not, Sean, but Eddie Graham was actually there today at this golf event. He's still hanging around Lexington. Of course, he worked with John for five years You know, at Kentucky from the time he got there in 2016 until uh, John passed away, uh, I want to say, last November um, from, from cancer, obviously, but uh, Leanne Schlarman, his wife, was there. The kids, uh, all the proceeds, Sean, from this event go into the Schlarman family for the kids' tuition, uh, college fund for one day uh, when they all get to college, four children in that family. So Leanne spoke, talked about how overwhelming it was, the support that's been shown to them. I um, mean, obviously, if you're Leanne, Leanne you, you hope that that would never you know, have to be in this position. But at the same time, she did talk about how kind of gratifying it's been to see the support that people had for John. And um, I guess one of the things I would say about today, and something we probably would have talked about last week had we recorded, but the petition that was going around for the big blue wall, the, the blue wall, that literally the blue wall that surrounds Kroger Field, the playing surface, someone had the idea to name that. I believe it was the idea was to name that after John Schlarma, which hey, I thought was a pretty good idea. But... Um, I wouldn't say Stoops laughed that off. Stoops more or less was saying, like, hey, John Schlarman meant a lot to this program. We've been working on stuff. Like, he will be honored the right way. So I don't know if anyone actually had concerns about that or not, but there's no reason to, no reason to be concerned about that. Yeah, he said, what, no reason to sign a petition or anything that they're going to do something. Yeah. But how perfect would that be, though? I mean, the, the wall's blue. It, it holds up the bridge and the gap right there between the benches and the stadium. I just think that would be the perfect way, Derek. And I'm, I'm sure that they're going to have other ways to probably maybe name some things after John. But I thought that that was a very creative idea that somebody did come up with. And if that is what they ultimately decide to do, I, I think it's perfect, honestly. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, again, and, and that Leanne was saying that, you know, the university that's been working on things and, they were excited to see it. So I, I couldn't quite get the feel how far advanced they were. I would say, I mean, the season's not crazy far off now. I mean, it's June 7th. you got just a couple more months. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure whatever it is that Kentucky decides to do, it will be very well done. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it, it's crazy to think that the season's really not that far off, right? I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. see football media days. We expect, it, we expect that to resume and stuff. That's going to be coming up in the near future it's wild to think that we're at that point now in the schedule in the into the summer where we're going to be dominated a lot by football talk i mean we're we're moving right towards it uh what was the over under prediction for southeastern conference win wasn't it four and a half the other day i did not see that i'm not mistaken yeah so i I think it was four and a half so I mean, you're That's, putting Kentucky uh, right there at a 500 or above 500 in the league. You're you're expecting Kentucky to be pretty good then. That's uh, we, we can dig into that line a little bit more later. That's that's one that'll make you think. Uh, only other bit of news I would say, um, out of out of the Stoops press conference is that uh, wide receivers coach Jovan 
Javon Boonite or Bonite. I've uh, never actually talked to the guy to figure out how to say his name. But uh, he, he – and I might not get the chance to because he is suspended without pay following his DUI arrest uh, in May. He was also charged with driving 26 miles per hour more over the speed limit and also having an open alcoholic container. He pleaded not guilty to those charges on May 14th, and his pre-conference – or sorry, pre-trial conference is scheduled for the end of this month, June 29th. So I don't know if you'll hear anything else officially from – Stoops or UK regarding that position until his trial or, or whatnot is over. But as of now, um, I don't know who it is, but someone else must be coaching the wide receivers right now because it's not uh, Bonite. But last thing I wanted to hit on, Sean, it's because I've been wanting to do it for a few weeks now. And uh, it's, it's, how about how about Kentucky adding the coach too? Like we have an official. Oh, we haven't. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. Yeah, yeah coach. coach we, there, there's just so much that we had to get to, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, so Coach Chris Collins, he got hired to be the defensive backs coach. He comes from Georgia State, where he worked with a former UK, uh, I think it was a GA. It was, he was an off-the-field analyst or whatever um, for a little bit, and then he went to coach Frederick Douglass High School. That was uh, Brian Landis, who uh, more or less plugged the job for Chris Collins. And Stoops today said he took his time. Figuring out that job. Of course, Stoops, uh, a DB man himself, you know, he really has a thorough process, it sounds like, when it comes to picking guys to coach that position. But uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, because that probably is something else worth noting for people who really like following football recruiting. Um, Stoops, you know, I'm going to say he, he said that they went totally abandoned Michigan, which, of course, is where Stephen Plinkscale um, really performed well on the recruiting trail. But that there are other areas now. That Kentucky's starting to get inroads with that they want to try to try to exploit a little bit more, and they think Collins will help there. Uh, that's a spot like other places in Georgia, where of course he's coming from, but also Tennessee. Apparently, Tennessee is just booming with talent these days. I think the Nashville area is obviously growing up a lot, and I think that's causing a lot more talent to be coming out of that state. And of course, if you're Kentucky, I mean, you're so close. You know, what is Lexington? Three hours or so from maybe three and a half from Nashville, depending on how fast you drive. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Did you have any impressions, Sean? On on did you get a chance to watch that press conference? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was following, you know, press releases and you all on Twitter and stuff, putting things out there. I think it's a good hire, though. I think it's a really good hire, considering yeah. how late you had to make it. Uh, obviously, there. I mean, it's a, an off season where they've added a lot of new faces to the coaching staff. But I think that, as you were stating earlier. It's been a very quality and thorough search that Mark Stoops undergoes when he searches and seeks out replacements or new people that he brings into the staff. So you know that this guy checks off every single box. And uh, it's wild, the type of offseason Kentucky's had, right? I mean, it's had to replace coaches. It's added, it's added coaches that decide to take other jobs, the few weeks after having it. And then you get through a period where you think you're going to kind of hold on to everyone and then you lose clink uh, late in the spring. But – now Kentucky's set in place, Derek, and just uh, moving towards uh, the regular season here. It was, it was pretty cool, too, that they got to get back to hosting a camp like they did last night at Kroger Field. Uh, I know some of the coaches were there for that as well. So things are getting back to normal uh, when it comes to college football, which is a very, very good thing. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. Yeah, and the coaches were out there. I think you could tell just kind of a renewed, <clears throat> excuse me, a renewed sense of energy coming from the uh, football staff. And I'm sure it was the same way um, for the basketball team. But yeah, the last topic I want to hit on, and then we'll hop off here. I uh, just wanted to try to get you know another episode out there, let you guys know that we're still alive. We're still doing this podcast. I know there's been a little bit of a layoff. Um, and, you know, the season's been over for a few weeks now. Um, and it's Kentucky baseball. And I, I saw more people, I think, than normal on my Twitter feed. You know, baseball's one of those sports, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a non-revenue sport. You don't really hear a ton about it at Kentucky unless the team's playing well. Or if there's, you know, I guess controversy is one, one way to put it, um, where – they're in the news for other reasons. So uh, I think probably what caused some of this was, was no doubt, you know, the way that they closed the season, uh, they were a bubble team for most of the year. Some would have said that they were in at some points, but once the schedule toughened up down the end of the season, Kentucky baseball, you know, they, they fell off quite a bit. Yeah. Finished 12 and 18 in the conference. They lost the last four series of the season. Uh, they lost to South. They were swept by South Carolina, lost two out of three to Florida, lost two out of three to Tennessee, and then, of course, lost uh, two out of three to Vanderbilt before losing in the first round of the SEC tournament, four to one to Florida, a game that they had plenty of chances to cross, you know, to stretch across a few more runs. But I, I want to kind of bring up what I view to be the big talking points amongst the fan base, and just kind of elaborate. And Sean, I wanted to get your opinion on it too. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think what kind of caused people to really start talking on my Twitter feed anyway had to do with the number of players in the transfer portal. And uh, KSR wrote a story on that. I had been tracking that on our message board that's still there. Anybody wants to go check it out. I believe the official number is up to nine. Um, And what I would say about that, not not to be, you know, in defense of the baseball program, some of those guys who are leaving were guys that most likely, you know, either didn't play big roles on this team or, or more than likely weren't going to play big roles next season. But that was not everybody. Two guys in particular who I think you do have to wonder why they decided to leave so fast is uh, Dylan Marsh, a left-handed pitcher who threw the fourth most innings this season in conference, that is, for Kentucky. He's a left-handed pitcher. He started games his freshman year. He started games in 2020 before the season was cut short. And he actually started their uh, regular season finale at Vanderbilt. He threw five innings and – and threw a pretty good game, gave Kentucky a chance to come back and win that ball game. Um, or sorry, he, he started the Friday game. Not, they, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. He, he pitched the second game of that series. Um, but he decided to leave pretty quickly after the season ended. And then the big one, a local kid, Cam Hill, who was in the portal, I, I think, seriously, two days after the season ended. And he had started basically the whole last month of the season playing a lot. I would say pretty much guaranteed to be a starter next year. I mean, assuming they don't go out and just land a bunch of freaks from the transfer portal, which I don't think they will in the outfield. So, Sean, whenever you see the number nine in the portal, does that bring you any concern, or is it more like what I'm saying, where it's like, hey, you kind of got to – 
expect some guys to leave for whatever reason, but it's like, hey, why are, why are, why are some of these guys leaving? I mean, I, I think you have to be concerned to an extent, just given that the program's missed the NCAA tournament, what, the last three full seasons? Yeah. Would have, would have been likely four had they been able to have a, a normal season last year. I, I think that's where the concern's at because you're you're talking about, you know, getting an extension. And, sure, they're, he, he's done enough kind of to warrant another year when you're talking about on the field, like he can – maybe bring up the argument that they were competitive, especially down the stretch there. And that, that series was better, but they were very competitive. But when you when you look around and you see Tennessee with the Pac Stadium and hosting a regional and, and that place going nuts after a walk-off grand slam the other night, it, it kind of makes you sit there and think, you know, do you can you build a program in this league when you're losing possibly double-digit numbers in your program to the transfer portal? Uh, I'd be a little bit concerned. I think – Fans have questioned the extension the entire time, right? When yeah. talking about hadn't been in the NCAA tournament in a few years since that first season. That first season was really good. The second team I thought was talented and should have been, should have been a tournament team, uh, but it's it just hasn't been trending in the right direction the last few years. And I don't know. It's definitely definitely a big time topic, Derek. I know, I know you've been wanting to talk about this for probably three weeks now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think. I've always followed baseball close. It was my first official beat writer job as a college student working for the school newspaper. It was covering baseball back in 2015. So I covered a lot of those guys that were part of that 2017 team, which is, of course, was Minja's first year. And, uh, you know, th- there are narratives around Nick Mingione that I that I think some aren't totally fair to him, and there are others that I think probably are pretty fair. I see a lot of people say, well, you know, his best season was 2017, and it wasn't with his guys. I mean – yeah, technically you're right, but I can point to Marcus Carson. I can point to Connor Hetty. Uh, I can point to Zach Rex. Uh, I'm forgetting another senior out there somewhere. Who uh, Logan Salo, I think is who I was trying to think of as a senior. Who These are guys who had okay careers at Kentucky who absolutely had outstanding years during Mingeon's first season. I, I watched a lot of baseball in 2015 and 2016 where a lot of those guys, uh, objectively, they played much, much better in 2017, and I think you have to give Mingione a lot of credit for that. Uh, and then another another narrative that I don't think is totally fair is that in 2018, they had 13 draft picks and couldn't make the tournament. That That's just not really looking at it, in my opinion. I mean, you can think whatever you want, but that team was, was gutted by injuries at the end of the year. Yeah. And in my opinion, given their RPI rank and other things, they probably still should have been in the tournament. So I thought they got a bad break that year. That, that brings me to where I think the true criticism can begin for, for Nick Mingione. On the field, I didn't have a problem with 2019. They were very bad. They had a losing record. They went 7-23 and in the league. But that was a lot to replace. Where I think he had his first big mistake, and I I mean, I don't mind saying this. Like, I think it was a big mistake letting go of Roland Fanning. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yep. Letting go. 100%. In my opinion, I wrote it at the time. Kentucky was at the point where they just needed to be bringing in talent. And in 2020, so the class that was two freshmen this year, so he got fired in 2019 that summer. The incoming class, Sean, was ranked in the top ten. They, there was a kid today who his start did not go well uh, for Mississippi State, but his name is Jackson Fristo. He's from Paducah Tillman. He started the day in a regional final for a baseball powerhouse, Mississippi State. That kid was committed to Kentucky before those yep. coaching changes happened. Marcus Brown, who plays at Oklahoma State, 
started the Big 12 championship game. These are guys who are making an impact for their team. Committed to Kentucky. Decommitted well, once that happened. Third class. An Arkansas kid, right? Yes, yes. He was from Arkansas. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I put together a bunch. I, put, I wrote stories about both those guys when they committed to Kentucky. We were super excited yeah. about the program at the time, too. Yeah, so, you know, I, I get that the on-field stuff wasn't great in 2019. But I look at that and think, okay, you kind of have some reinforcements coming. Like, that was kind of my whole thought the whole year was, like, they're pretty bad this season, but on paper they have some good players coming in. Ross Dunn was another kid who ended up following Jim, Jimmy Bellinger to Florida State. So you had these kids who should have been coming to Kentucky who still went ahead and followed the guys who recruited them, which told you that they valued those relationships more than what they had with the head coach. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? If they chose to go to the school with the guys that recruited them versus going to the school that they were originally committed to. Um one of the big things that I think people need to look at is player retention. Kentucky has not gotten much of anything out of their high school classes post, I think, 2000. I mean, really almost every year, actually. Uh, you look at 2018 in particular. If you guys ever get a chance, go to Perfect Game. Uh, you can't see the, like, the rankings of the players if you're not a premium member, but you can see all the names. In 2018, they basically had one guy, I would say, who really, really made a big impact, and that was... Uh, Austin Schultz. Marsh was in that class. He had his moments. Besides that, you're hard-pressed to find anybody who helped you. And that those are the guys that should have been upperclassmen this year. And you can say, you know, a variety of reasons that things happened. You just have to get more out of the class than one or two players, though. 2019, yeah. uh, the following class, thank you. Uh, John Rhodes. <laughs> Excuse me, John Rhodes. Um, very good player. But more than likely with this draft, changing he's, he's going to be gone most likely i can't imagine he comes back to kentucky for another season considering he's a probably top three top five round pick he'll be able to get a nice signing bonus i just look at this roster and think and this is probably the main thing i'd want to take away my understanding is going into year six of the nick mingione era kentucky won the recruiting class by average rank is last in the sec they're 41st nationally so i believe they're going to try to hit the transfer portal very hard my question, Sean, is why in year six are you in the position that you have to basically form your team via transfer? Is six years not plenty long enough to have gotten your own guys in there and built up your program? Well, given given all the resources that he's been handed since he's been there, a brand-new stadium, I mean, brand-new facilities, coming off winning a regional and thinking you got probably the biggest boost of momentum in your program's history because you win that regional and then you unveil a new stadium no not question. long after that. There's no reason to be in the position that they are recruiting. If, if you are that, if you're in that position with those facilities, that's, that's on you. Like that, that's a problem. There is no excuse for it in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear a lot of talk, um, like I said, I mean, just for I've covered it so long, I'm not, I'm not the only, obviously, I'm not the only guy who covers baseball. There are other very good media members who, I mean, there are kids with the school newspaper now who go to every single home game. You know, I, I don't do that anymore. Quite frankly, there's not a reason to. There's just not enough. I don't think enough people who, who care about it uh, right now. And, um, but, yeah, I think those are the main points I wanted to talk about. I mean, it's not really my spot to say, you know, I wrote it in a story here once the season actually ended, people, you know, if you go to my tweet um, back in February or March, I can't remember when it was, when I tweeted about his extension, it was not pretty, <laughs> to put it bluntly. No. Like, there, there was, was a no positive comments. There wasn't, no. 
And um, with the buyout being included in that, though, and, and the people at UK will tell you it was for recruiting purposes, which, okay, like, if if Mitch thinks that every coach has to have, you know, at least four years or whatever on their contract, then, then whatever. I mean, that, I, I don't like that logic at all, but Mitch Barhart's much better AD than I could probably ever dream of being, so I'll just say whatever with that. I, I've just not focused on the extension that much, but I know a lot of people have. With the buyout that's in there, though, I just I don't think Mitch is gonna let the contract, you know, run until 2025 if, if the program keeps struggling. So that's why I don't really pay attention to it. Um, no, but no, Mitch, I, I think Mitch has a lot of pride. Yeah, Mitch has a ton of pride in the program. Eric, we talked about this the other day off the air. I mean, your your volleyball program just won a national championship. Your rifle program wins national championships. Your swim team. Soccer, softball, like you can't tell me that all these programs are going to be good and you just want to kind of just overlook a baseball program that is struggling to make it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I think a, a big problem is, and it's just, I don't, I don't think there's a great culture over there. I mean, based on what I hear, I, I don't think, I don't think there is. Uh, but you know, I, I think, I mean, especially at this point, we're talking two weeks since the season ended. Like, I. I think he's Minji on that is. I think he's certainly going to be back um, for another season. And I'll let people, you know, debate if that's the, you know, right call or not. I, it's not really my spot to say whether it is or not. I would say you mentioned a lot of other programs just then. I don't see an outlook as positive for the baseball program that I do for some of the other non-revenue sports at Kentucky. But hey, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to write them totally off next year until I see. Until I see what they actually do bring in, but I, I am at the point where I think it's uh, – I think Mitch probably needs to keep a pretty close eye on what's going on over there. But that's about all I had to say about the yeah. program. Well, and, and two, it's, it's one of those programs you, you talked about it. Like like right now, that, that year that they were really good, I, I covered almost every single game because people were interested in it. They were invested in it. They, they wanted to read about it. When, when they're not at that level – not very many people will click on those things, Eric. You you see no. that, I'm sure. But as nice as that stadium is, and I've only covered one game in it since it opened, but as nice as that stadium is, and that if Kentucky baseball has all – to me it has all the potential to be a solid program given facility and, and everything there, that it would be the perfect bridge and gap from when that men's basketball season ends, if those years that they're really good, this fan base will get behind them. We saw that in Ben Jones first year. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I was telling someone this the other day, like, and, and the COVID had something to do with it too because he lost a whole season last year where potentially they could have been playing in big games. But I'm not going to – listen, I covered a series last year in 2020. They got swept by a mid-major team at home. Like, I don't – I don't see any way that that season was going to end up any, any good for those guys. But um, that's not really the point. What I'm trying to say is they've not really had that big-time atmosphere, a really important game to kind of know what the atmosphere would even be like in that new stadium. And you're talking about being like like four years in next year, I think? In that, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, four years in, 2019, 2020, 2021. So who knows? I mean – I just wanted to get that out there because I do think it was a, a talking point amongst the fan base, and I, and I do think I have something to offer in terms of my perspective just from where I'm around it a lot. I, I hear from a lot of people. Um, college baseball community is a good one. I mean, you, you hear – I'm sure it's like that in other sports too. I'm probably just more well-sourced 
in baseball than I am some other sports. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done, Sean. I guess that's how I'll put it. Like the, they got a lot, they got a long way to go, I think, to, to really be where that program should be. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if Minji can get them there next season. Yeah, and I mean, we I guess we'd have a little bit different feeling too, though, if, if this was a program that had the season that they just had where they were competitive, but then you look at recruiting. If that was like a really good recruiting class coming in or had a lot of talent coming in that you knew could maybe rot the ship and change the program and the direction of it, you'd probably feel a little bit better. But when you're talking about it being last in the league, uh, kind of look at it through a different lens, right? I mean, you that's that's – that's what changes your program is what are you bringing in? This isn't uh, this isn't John Calipari out there going and getting Sumner Wheeler and CJ Frederick and all these pieces, though. This is a program that needs uh, some consistency, and that obviously it starts with recruiting. It does, but, I mean, you got to develop, too, and I, I think that's where they've really fallen yeah, short. They've just not had enough kids that they've retained, to. that they've developed. Um, and, you know, that's – baseball is different, too, like, it's not a full scholarship sport. You're not more guys transfer, I think, than in other sports. It's, it's, you know, you can't. And listen, I have a D1 baseball subscription, and I can see all the guys in the transfer portal. Like Kentucky's number at number nine is not really that bad. It's just in terms of like, who is it that's leaving? Who can they possibly bring in? Um, and stuff like that. But yeah, those are my thoughts there, Sean. I guess we're ready to wrap this up, but. Um, like we said, we just want to get on here. I know it'd been a while and we want to talk about some topics. I think we should be on a more normal recording schedule here in the next few days. Yeah. So Sean, I appreciate you though, taking the time to call or to to talk while you're driving back. So safe travels home. This has been another episode of Kentucky daily. We look forward to talking to you soon. 